Breaking down Wisconsin basketball. This is The Swing with Zach Heilprin and Jesse Temple on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Yes, welcome into The Swing. I'm Zach Heilprin. That's the Athletics' Jesse Temple. Plenty to get to today. We have a fun interview coming up with former Badgers All-American Jordan Taylor. He joined us for about 20 minutes to talk about his career uh, at Wisconsin, overseas, and then also what he sees from this Badgers team. He's still very dialed in on what's happening with them. He's got his own podcast, Talking Wisconsin Basketball, him and Josh Gosser. So we'll get to that in a in a bit. But Jesse, Wisconsin goes one and one since the last time we did a show. Obviously a disappointing loss on Saturday at Iowa, giving up that late basket in overtime to to follow the Hawkeyes. But they bounced back, beat Maryland 74-70 to on Tuesday night. It wasn't always pretty. But how are you feeling about Wisconsin after these uh, these last two games? It's still having lost five of the last seven. Yeah, well, my sense is Badgers fans are living on the edge a little bit here. We're probably ready to uh, uh, cl- close themselves into uh, a dark space. <laughs> Wisconsin had lost to Maryland. I know Maryland isn't a particularly good team. The Terps are in... 12th place in the 14th, six and 10 big 10 yeah. it's six uh, and 10. hard to hard to keep track of how many teams there are in the league but yeah a win is a win and the badgers basically led from start to finish even if it got a little bit closer than people would have hoped look it's been a, a tough february there's no question nobody thinks that this wisconsin team should be two and five at any stretch given the talent that's there and the way that uh, this group played earlier in the season I still tend to look at it on the totality of what this team has right now. 18 and nine overall, 10 and six in the Big Ten. As we're having this conversation, a half game lead over Northwestern for third place, still in a position to get a double bye. Now, you don't feel as good about this team now as you did before February, but I think the pieces are still in place for them to do some some strong things here. The problem is, um, you know, you don't want to be playing this way at this stage of the season, especially defensively. Because that uh, that can come back to bite you in a hurry. It absolutely can. And I think the end of the Maryland game certainly will uh, cloud some judgments. I, I thought defensively, especially in the first half, they were good against Maryland. I think their points per possession, according to the stats, uh, the, the stat broadcast stuff that Wisconsin uses for their stats, they were at like 0.879. I've seen some numbers lower than that. But that that's going to win ball games all the time. It doesn't matter. Like you can be poor offensively or just average offensively. And you're going to win most of the time when you're giving up that type of number to the opposing team. Unfortunately for them in the second half, it was 1.3 for Maryland. Now, a lot of that came in the last minute. The last minute took for freaking ever. Uh, the last minute felt like it took 15 minutes. Uh, Max Klesman hit a three-pointer to put them up. I think it was uh, seven. And then it just went back and forth. Maryland hit some threes. Wisconsin would then hit some free throws and Maryland come back down. Wisconsin would inexplicably foul them for uh, stupidly. Uh, I think uh, not stupidly, foolishly. I'm going to go foolishly, not stupidly, Jesse. I think that foolishly is more is, is maybe nicer, a nicer term because those are there have, there were some certainly uh, foolish fouls at Iowa on Saturday. Greg Gard talked about it. They had fewer of them tonight, but uh, several of them in the, in the final minute which meant the game goes back and forth. Wisconsin finds a way to win, and it was desperate. Obviously, it was a, it's a desperation win, but you're right. It's 10 and 6 in the Big Ten. you got four games left. They get, obviously, a week off here. 
against then they go to Indiana, get Illinois at home, get Rutgers at home, and then go to Purdue to finish off the the year. I still, <laughs> even with that win over Maryland, even with the win over Ohio State, they are not playing the same type of basketball that we we thought that they were earlier in the year, or that they were earlier in the year, and that we thought they could be uh, going forward. My, my expectations are still pretty low for what can be accomplished the rest of the year. I know that's very sad to hear or very sad to say. It's just I, I don't, just don't still don't have a very good feel with this. I should say, Zach, in the time we've been having this conversation, I believe the officials took two points off the board from Wisconsin against Iowa uh, for a, a <laughs> phantom goaltending. That's so, and it was and he was in position to grab the rebound and put it back. What? An absolute yeah, this <laughs> is the most absurd thing ever to not only uh, screw Wisconsin out of the two points, which okay, it wasn't necessarily goaltending, but then you're giving away a possession that Wisconsin clearly had. Uh, anyway, that's uh that's an aside. I just had to get yeah. that off my chest. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and, and yeah. The, the, the the officiating in the Maryland game is also obviously ridiculous, but it it was ridiculous both ways. So <laughs> I, I can I can sometimes live with that better than it being ridiculous one way or the other. Yeah. Well, the video that's circulating on the socials right now, and I mentioned this to you before we started, is the one where um, Chucky drew a charge without even drawing contact <laughs> from a defender. Or, or from a, a Maryland uh, player driving down the lane who kind of split Chucky and and John Blackwell. But one plays, I mean, over the course of the season, you're going to have some that go your way and, and some that don't. But that's yeah. a, that's another funny one of the officials it's, missing a call. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, it's a funny one because Wisconsin won. It wouldn't be as funny yeah. if uh, Wisconsin didn't win. Yeah. Uh, it's it's why, like, uh, the offensive foul on Stephen Crowell, which I think probably was one, was, okay, all right, fine, you're going to call that come back down on the other end and Tyler Wall takes an elbow or shoulder to the, to the grill pushes back and gets called for a foul. So um, it, there were, it, it was questionable both ways, questionable both ways. All right, let's, let's continue yeah, on because it would be because it's big 10 basketball, right? Like it's big 10 <laughs> officiating. That's just, what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, I mean, one other concern, well, there's several concerns that I think <laughs> have emerged here of late, but I start looking at the assist to turnover ratio and I just think this is not what Wisconsin basketball has been known for for so long. Now, they were great against Iowa. 20 assists, 7 turnovers. Against Maryland, they only had 6 assists, 12, 12 turnovers. And 6 assists tied for a season low, um, which they also had those same numbers, 6 assists, 12 turnovers in that loss against Providence. But they've had 4 games now in this stretch here where they've had basically twice as many turnovers as they have assists. And obviously, if you're not scoring as efficiently, then that means you're not going to have as many assists. But I just, I don't see how you can win games on a consistent basis when you've got 12 turnovers a game in some of these situations and six, seven assists. So, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot to to figure out, obviously. And some of this is, it's who they are at this point. And some of this is you're going to have to figure out how to maximize the talents of the group to offset those deficiencies. But um, man, it's a, uh, I suppose it's harder to be excited about this group right now with the way they've been playing of late. And there's a part of me and I'm sure that they talk about with the team, as I know, Greg talked about this last week, last Monday, actually um, when they were in the middle of their four game losing streak, reminding the group about, 
you know what your ceiling is because you have played at that ceiling earlier this season and you've been that a heck of a lot more than you've been whatever this is in this recent stretch but on the other hand it's kind of like you keep waiting and waiting and waiting meanwhile the season is coming closer and closer to an end and you just start to wonder if can they get back to that level um and i'm not trying to be overly negative here on the heels of a victory against maryland which is very important but again um you know you just want to be able to see them play complete basketball for for as close to 40 minutes as they can get because that's what it's going to take here late in the season it is now again there were positives last night against maryland right uh again as i said the defense defensively in the first half that's the type of basketball that you want them to play free throws after having a horrendous day eh, horrendous is a little bit strong but, but not a very good day that really cost him at Iowa, they come back and hit 28 of 31 free throws, including going, I think, 11 for 12 in the final minute or uh, yeah, in the final minute or so. So they what they did at the free throw line significant. And it was actually can, when you look at some of the numbers from the this stretch, they had struggled there. They, you know, 66 percent uh, in the loss at Nebraska, the 68 percent in the loss of Michigan, 59 percent at Rutgers you know, 67% against Iowa to hit 90% of the free throws. And he needed them all last night uh, to get by Maryland. That is to me uh, a positive and, and kind of gets back to what they had been earlier in the year, a very, very good free throw shooting team. And that's how you can sometimes overcome inefficiencies in other places is by getting the line. And they certainly did that um, pushed up certainly by the fouling in the final minute, but they, they did what they needed to do to, to be aggressive in that sense. But I think it's worth also noting AJ store. He had probably maybe, maybe the dunk of the year in the first half, a left-handed dunk that was just uh, ridiculously pretty. It was two of his 10 points on the night. However, he also struggled down the stretch and ended up on the bench. He put up a a three-pointer that he should not have shot with about five minutes left. He got a layup to go, and then he turned over the ball. He had a turnover with about 350 left, just under four. And Greg Gard took him out at the, at the next thing and didn't put him back in until John Blackwell followed out with about, I think it was uh, 11 seconds left. Is the fact that you can't, that he can't trust him to be on the floor at the end, does that say something? Does it say more about AJ Stores? Does it say more about John Blackwell that they're comfortable enough to put him in? I'm going to say it says more about John Blackwell at this point. It's great for the Badgers that he's healthy enough and, and to be back and contributing the way he is because that's what he was giving you before he got hurt comes in 14 minutes, gives you nine points. If they didn't have it, and we've seen this in previous Wisconsin teams, you've just got to ride with your top guys, whether they're struggling or not. It gives you some flexibility. It can provide an opportunity for AJ to calm down a bit. I think that's offensively in particular been the biggest challenge as I've watched AJ this season. There's no denying the athleticism from the wing. It's truly special to dunk on a dude's head like that. Mm. Uh, I mean, man, I wish I had a moment in my life. Yeah. What, what uh, would you give to be able to do that once? Maybe some money. I wouldn't give years <laughs> off my life because that's precious. But uh, <laughs> my favorite might still be the alley-oop off the glass just because, uh, I don't know. We can, we'll have a top five highlight reel probably by the end of the season. I'm sure Definitely. we already have it. But it's the it's the it's sometimes it's the deficient decision-making and the shot selection. And it's not that he can't hit them. Um, it's funny because, you know, I was talking about the struggles that he'd had. And I wrote about this from three point range recently, he'd gone one for 14 and then he makes both of the three pointers that he takes against Iowa and has a a pretty solid game. Offensively He has 21 points goes eight for 18 from the field. 
but you need him to be more efficient than what he's giving you. And again, I think there are times where he takes a shot that you could get at any point in the shot clock. And it's not the first time we've seen Greg pull him because he, he does that. I mean, they, they need him to be aggressive. They need him getting into the lane. And it's, again, it's not that he can't make three pointers, um, but it's sort of also the situation that, that uh, you have based on the time and the score. So, yeah, I mean, it's it goes both ways. It's it's you need AJ to be better, but you also feel confident that you have a guy like John as a true freshman who can come in off the bench and give you exactly what you need. There was one more development I want to talk about, and that is the fact that Carter Gilmore did not play in that game last night against Maryland. Marcus Ilver got his minutes, and that was something that Greg Gard actually kind of spoke about. I think it was um, af- it might have been after the Iowa game, might have been on Monday about, yeah. you know, hey, we need something better behind Tyler Wall. And so we're going to give some other guys opportunities. And one of those guys that got the opportunity was Marcus Silver. He went over two from three, but he also had a couple of offensive rebounds. And when I watched him on defense, I thought he was good enough. And I know Carter Gilmore has some experience and I know that Greg guard has some trust in him, but it's also notable that he's willing to give somebody else a shot. And I don't think that, I don't think anything we saw from Marcus last night, indicated that he shouldn't continue to get more minutes in an opportunity over over Carter simply because Marcus actually is a threat offensively and you can you do actually have to play him offensively whereas you do not have to play against Carter Gilmore on the offensive end and uh, you know again he's a young player doesn't have a lot of experience but I think those minutes should continue to go to him until he proves them that they shouldn't Yep, I don't necessarily disagree with that at all. Uh, I mean, Carter hasn't had more than two points in the game this month. And against Iowa, when he had those couple looks at the basket, he was just kind of hesitant. I mean, they, uh, it, it felt like if you go up right away, and I guess I'm armchair quarterbacking this, but you're going to score. And he would pump fake, and it, it wouldn't go in, or you'd end up at the line, make one or two free throws. You need more. Um, and we have this conversation probably annually, with Carter Gilmore, he, he, he is who he is. He gives you certain things. He can play sound defense defensively. He can set screens. He can rebound. Um, and it's not like he's been getting a ton of minutes, but Ilver does give you that potential for instant offense. We've seen him come in cold and make a three. We've seen him have a willingness to try and look for his shot. And it didn't happen against Maryland, but that doesn't mean it can't happen moving forward. And the other thing is you're not counting on any of those guys to play a ton. Ilver played seven minutes. So if you can just get something on the plus side out of those minutes, it can mean a lot. You can, are you concerned about the number of minutes that the starters are playing? Or is it just that's what needs to happen at this point? Because four, four of the five were uh, at least 34 minutes, including, yeah. Steve, including Stephen Crowell at 34. Yeah, I have a, a little bit of concern because – one of the big talking points, and again, I wrote about this earlier in the season about, well, what is what makes this team potentially special this season? Well, it's one of the deepest teams they've had in years. They can play 10 players if Greg wants to, and that means fewer minutes for the starters, and so you're not as taxed when you go late into the season. And that's not what we've seen of late. Um, I mean, the rotation really um, got, <laughs> I guess, thinned out a little bit here against Maryland. I, and, you know, they met, they mentioned this on the broadcast. Stephen Bardo did. He was talking about the impact of Kamari McGee. And um, I know we weren't necessarily talking about him 
when he went out right away because Wisconsin was still winning. But there is something to be said for having someone who can give you 10 minutes and give Chucky a little bit of a break. I think Chucky's been playing a ton of minutes. Um, and that does have impact across the rotation. It's not that other guys can't bring up the ball. Obviously, Max can. John Blackwell can do that. But if you're able to spread out these minutes a little bit and have guys come off the bench and not have a drop-off, I just think that makes such a big difference, especially when we're talking about what do we always talk about this time of the season? We talk about the postseason. In the Big Ten tournament, you play every day. And in the NCAA tournament, you're going to play on a Thursday and a Saturday or a Friday and a Sunday. And I think that stuff really can add up. So the deeper the bench you can have and the more trust you have in those guys, the better it is. Definitely. Definitely. All right. Let's get to our interview. It is with uh, Jordan Taylor, uh, former Wisconsin All-American. Had a really good chat with him. Here he is. And we do welcome in former Wisconsin All-American Jordan Taylor, also the host of A Shot of Whiskey, a podcast about Wisconsin basketball. Jordan, uh, Certainly appreciate you jumping on. I wanted to give you a chance to to talk about that a little bit because uh, I've really enjoyed you and it's been a d- number of guys, but Josh pretty consistently this year. Uh, how that all came about for you? Yeah, yeah, appreciate it. Um, thanks for having me on first, and you know, good to see you guys. But the yeah, Shot of Whiskey podcast is uh, one of the one of the many podcasts under the Beyond the Big Ten umbrella, which is Andre Guadala and Evan Turner's production company. Um, so, you know, I, I know ET just from playing from obviously from playing the big 10 days. So he asked me to host, uh, host that show. And it's, it's been a great experience trying to grow that. And, you know, Zach, you know, I reached out to you about some advice and some help and you graciously, uh, graciously helped me out. So I appreciate that. Um, but yeah, it's been great. So Josh does it with me this year. I had John Lure on last year. Um, and we just have some rotating guests. Does that officially make you one of us? I mean, are you are you now a media member? I'm I'm what is I'm what Draymond say new media yeah something like that with a, I'm a little more hinged than Draymond though <laughs> I guess. So so you're still playing you're playing over in uh, in London right now believe on the not even believe I know same team as as Sam Decker um for yep. for you how much longer do you want to play and once you get done playing is media the next avenue for you because you, you're you're good at it you're really good at it. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It's playing with Sam has been great, but then I'll play this year and we'll see what happens at this point. It's kind of a year, year in, year out thing. Um, I love London, Brett Berman and Yasin Tronos, the GM assistant GM are, are great. Our Ameri- our owners are American, which is unique overseas. So I, I love that situation. Um, so I'll do that as long as, as long as I can. The media is, uh, is the likely next goal. You know, I've talked to big 10 network a little bit and among other people, but then we have, uh, we have a production for the BBL British basketball league um, that actually is on in every market in the States now too. So it's on Valley's Wisconsin and it's on yes network and all that. So I actually get a chance to do some media stuff while I'm playing over there as well. That's so cool. if that more accurately answers your question, Jesse, yes, I am. I'll just, I'll take that full media. <laughs> <laughs> I guess since you're at closer to the tail end of your career, I know when every player comes out of college they have dreams and aspirations of being in the nba but when you evaluate the totality of your career what what are your thoughts on how things have played out and what you've accomplished as a basketball player uh you know I, i'm really proud of myself for many reasons uh like you said being in the nba for me it was it was close you know i had some you know 
junior year was great. Had some injuries. Um, but now I'm going on year 12 as a pro and I've had eight major, well, seven major surgeries between hip surgery, two hip surgeries, the ankle, um, shoulder, it goes the knee on and on. And one thing that I'm actually really proud of is the fact, you know, it's kind of persevering through a lot of those injuries. I've kind of made it a point. A lot of guys retired. Um, I had the same hip, hip surgery as Isaiah Thomas twice. So, you know, I, I really just kind of I'm proud of myself for kind of persevering through that stuff and, and making a career uh, out of it, regardless of those setbacks. You were inducted into the UW Athletics Hall of Fame back in 2022. I mean, you're still all over the record books at Wisconsin, 10th all time in scoring, second in assists, you know, 11th in three pointers. When you look back at your career at Wisconsin, does is there a moment that sticks out for you at all? I mean, there's there's some games in there that were, you know, ridiculous he had 39 at indiana obviously the comeback against ohio state when they were number one is there anything that for you that sticks out when you think about your career at wisconsin um yeah i mean a lot of things honestly you know the one thing the loss against syracuse is what that's one of those things that always kind of sticks out in the garden we our play you know we ended up with kind of a wild shot and the play went uh, a little sideways but you know just to have that experience i still talk about that um Individual experiences, like you mentioned, obviously Ohio State, uh, that game was something that I'll remember forever. Um, one that's kind of a dark horse was Rob Wilson when he had 30 against Indiana in the Big Ten tournament. It was kind of like it was a little bittersweet for me because I don't even think I had a, my best game. But, you know, seeing Rob do that, he had some ups and downs throughout his career. And it was like I was really happy for him. That was my roommate. That was my dog throughout the entire time. So um, a lot of a lot of memories stick out. Speaking of Hall of Fames, I'm sure you know Bo Ryan's now finalist for the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame. <laughs> what made him such an effective coach when you played for him? Yeah, um, I think his his ability to kind of teach life through the game, honestly, was I think is what made him different. Like I don't, he wasn't really a guy that he's not really going to change his ways, which is a which is a gift and a curse, right? So, but you have respect for him because I think he genuinely wanted you to become a better person. So I think most people would see that and you buy into, you know, what the principles that he's teaching you and you buy in. I think the older you get, like I said, I played Euro league, I've gone to NBA training camps, summer leagues all over the world. And one thing is like all these coaches have different philosophies and different theories on the game. But at the end of the day, the ones that get guys, 10 guys, 11 guys to buy in with talent are the ones that that tend to stick out and the ones that and the ones that tend to have success, even if it's the craziest philosophy it can have you full court pressing, hedging out the half court. But if if everybody's bought in and doing it with 100 um, percent, it tends to work. And Coach Ryan was good at getting guys to do that. Do you have any good recruiting stories from your time, whether it's with Bo or or you know, I assume I assume Greg played a Greg Gard played a huge role in your recruitment. Him being uh, kind of the Minnesota guy that went in there and stole a whole bunch of you guys to bring bring to Madison. Do you have any good recruiting stories? Yeah, uh, I actually remember. So they came to see me right before they offered me. They all came up to my high school, but they'll say Margaret's and I have asthma. So I was kind of waiting for they weren't at the gym yet. And I was like warming up, whatever. And I took, you know, took a pump of my asthma and my high school coach is like, you probably don't want to do that when they get in here. That was back when, you know, recruiting changed so much that I don't even think that shit matters. That stuff matters. Excuse my language. But um, <laughs> so anyway, they walk, they come in the gym 
and literally I've been warming up and now I'm all nervous because my high school coach, I'm thinking my asthma is going to like ruin my scholarship or something like that. I'm 16 years old. Like, damn, I can't, you know what I'm saying? Like this genetic thing I have. So I'm nervous. I'm going up and down. I'm thinking about that. And literally the first shot I take air ball from three, pull up three air ball. And I look over and coach close is over there cracking up laughing. <laughs> like So I'm thinking, oh shit, like it's over. <laughs> like these guys are going to leave, blah, 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 blah. So anyway, that happens. They ended up offering me. And then literally the first day on campus, I got there in the summertime. Coach Close, I brought that story up to him. He's like, oh, yeah, I told him we should leave right now and get out of the gym. And I, I was just like, all right. <laughs> but Coach Close is my guy. That's one of my favorite coaches that I've had at uh, at any level. Um, so probably could go on about more recruiting stories, but that's one that always sticks out. Do you have a favorite Bo story that you either haven't shared or <laughs> haven't shared often? You probably get that quest question a lot, but yeah. is there something that stands out? Uh, shoot, I, I haven't heard that question in a minute now. It's getting older, but um, something that stands out, I think, is the fact that he never has let go of Cam Taylor not getting a shot off against Ohio State. Uh, when, when it was, the, I think there was the one versus one. I can't remember if it was the one at home or the one at Wisconsin, but. To this day, like if anything happens, I think it happened to me against Penn State in that 36-33 game where he didn't get a good shot. Everything is, oh, you pulled the Cam Taylor. Like it happened 15 <laughs> years ago, bro. Let it go. Like, <laughs> let it go. So. I mean, it's, I always, my, my Bo Ryan story is always just about why you guys didn't play zone defense. And it was, <laughs> and it, it was, at, it was at practice one day and the opposing team that you guys were going to face was, was uh was a zone team and your your off your offense got like three or four straight offensive rebounds and he turns to the media and he goes that's why we don't play zone defense um because, <laughs> because, so because it's it's tougher to rebound but he's i mean he's got he's he's obviously got so many uh great stories throughout his career wisconsin was a great story or i, I shouldn't say was they are a great story they could be a great story this year uh obviously getting all the way up to number six and have gone on a little bit of a, a skid here, losing five or seven. They did beat Maryland last night. We'll talk about that in a second. But when you're going through a stretch like this, how do you what, what's it like in the locker room and, and how do you turn it around? Yeah, it's, it's funny that me and Josh literally just had this conversation. Um, it, it's like it's kind of like tense in the locker room. It just feels like you can't do There's a little bit of anxiety. It feels like you can't do anything right. Um but then at the same time, I think most guys still have the confidence. It's it, it's weird because you want to get that win. It's almost like you start pressing. You have the anxiety because nothing's going right. But then you're like, oh, we're going to we're going to break through at some point. So there's not panic, but there is a little anxiety, I think, um, in times like that. And, you know, for this team, I think we've talked about a lot how not, I don't even think they're necessarily the most talented Wisconsin team ever, but I think they're the most maybe well-rounded. And along with coach guards, offensive, new kind of offensive philosophies, it makes them really difficult to guard. And I think they've gotten away from that a little bit. Um, you know, I, we, we're pretty hard on AJ on our podcast, just from the sense that I think he has to have a lot of responsibility as being probably the most explosive player. So for them, I think it's really just about kind of getting back to basics, AJ getting in the paint, not necessarily looking to shoot, but looking to create for other players and things like that. So um, that right now, I think it's just getting back to basics, moving the ball and kind of trusting in what got you to where you were in the beginning of the season. 
when most people think of Wisconsin basketball, they think of the swing. They think of what Bo did. And I think people have a false impression of what Wisconsin is now. They, they probably think that's still a thing, and it's not. When you watch them, how different offensively is this team compared to when you were playing? Man, light years, light years different, honestly. Like just and, and honestly, to go back to the last question, I think that's what they've kind of got more into the old Wisconsin teams, but I don't think they're being as aggressive as they were at the beginning of the year. Like some of the actions become, you know, dummy action and like not, you know, every action should be looking to score and be aggressive. Um, but just the things that Coach Guard, I think he's giving Kirk a lot of credit for. Um Simple things, pulling Steve Crowell away from the basket, a lot of dribble handoffs and a lot of misdirection, a lot of free flowing action is something that is just it's more of a pro style um, approach. You know, when I was in school, I didn't even really run the swing. I passed the ball around a couple of times and waited for a ball screen with 10 seconds. So it was like it's it's, it's, a, it's a difficult way to play, honestly, at times. But so the way they play now, when it's when it's working and when guys are on the same page, it's really it's really masterful. When you look at Chucky, uh, his scoring obviously is down. His the him as a facilitator is better this year than it, than it has been in the past. But do you think he's kind of a guy that maybe needs to to start looking for his shot a little bit more when the team is struggling to score? Or do you are you okay with some of the still going and, and trying to look for for other people, or is it or is uh, I guess it or I guess it is a mix. Like it's a it's a balance. It's, it's a tough it's, balance. It, yeah, I mean, you guys have been watching for however many years now. Like, you guys know just as well as I do. Like, it, it is a it's a tough mix to find. Like, you don't want to overshoot. You don't want to overpass. And honestly, I think I, I don't like piling on individual guys, but him and AJ are the ones that do stand out. Like, Chucky definitely has to be more assertive, be a guy that's going to be, you know, he, he can't come away with six points on three shots because now it kind of it throws a wrench in everything that you're doing in terms of like now you're not as much of a threat anymore. So it, it makes it more difficult on other guys, too. Um, but at the same time, it is difficult, you know, to to find that balance. So you get other guys a shot, make sure everybody else is happy. But he definitely he definitely needs to uh, to be a little more assertive. This is also a team at times that has struggled defensively, which is something we're not necessarily used to seeing from a Wisconsin team. What are your impressions on that end of the floor? Do you look at it like at this point in the season, this is who they are and they have to figure out other ways to overcome some of those deficiencies? Yeah, that's, that's uh, well, the struggles I think come from, you know, I think they just aren't always engaged at all times. And I think, again, some of that, I think they're doing different things defensively this year at times, like sometimes they go out and hedge. So, you know, it's, it's a fine line between, some coach Ryan, again, the one thing he was good at was he played the same defense all the time. But then, you know, you saw that come back to bite us when I was in school. We played Cornell in the tournament. They torched us because they knew it was coming. Right. But then, you know, we knew what we were doing. So when you mix up the defenses, maybe there's a little miscommunication, especially when you have AJ who's here first year. Connor's not maybe the best defensive player. Um, John Blackwell being in and out now definitely, definitely hurts that uh, defensive side. Um, but. I think for them, I don't think in college you can improve. There's there's still 20, they're 18, 19, 20 year old kids. And the light bulb literally might come on one day when they're sitting in the door and be like, oh shit, you know what I'm saying? And they might, you know, and the rest of the season might be, might be amazing. So I wouldn't say it's necessarily who they are, uh, but their time to figure it out is, is definitely dwindling. I was going to say, is it getting too late to figure it out? Right. I mean, it's February 21st. They've got, what four games left in, in big 10 play before big 10 tournament. So it, it feels like time is kind of running out to, to figure out and, and 
turn things around for them. I I don't know if you've I don't know if you've had seasons like that where you played really well for a stretch, then you kind of hit things, and then it was not feeling good when you're going to March. Yeah, definitely, and it it doesn't feel good. But then at the same time, like I said, it, it might not feel good. And but when you get to March, especially in college, that March that tournament time, I'd say even more so than a pro. There's no better. Uh, feeling like there's a renewed sense of energy once you get to the Big Ten tournament and once you get to those final regular season games and, and the NCAA tournament, it's like it's almost as if what hap- has happened doesn't matter and you almost like like I said that light bulb kind of comes back on because the dog days of the season can get to can get to be a lot, especially for guys like John Blackwell and even AJ who's still young. Um, I'm sure even Chucky who's a junior now, but he's he's embraced a new role, so there's different frustrations that come with that. Um, and embracing a new role. So when you get to that tournament, it's like, all right, like all the stats go out the window, more or less. It's kind of like a new season. So. Well, I just have a random question for you. What's it like playing with Sam out in London? I know you guys never overlapped at Wisconsin, but you do obviously have a bond with the Badgers. Shoot, I don't know. He's been hurt the whole time. So you got <laughs> when you find him, ask him. But <laughs> no, nah, he's he's gonna he's gonna kill me for saying that because he's been he's he's had some ankle injuries. Um, he's been working really hard to get back on the court. But when we have been out there together, like it's almost it's been so much fun. And then it's almost like a little like, damn, I wish you know when I was younger, I could have played with him at Wisconsin. I always say Wisconsin had their best teams whenever they have an athletic wing. Uh, so for me. My game was always, you know, throw it ahead to a to a wing. If they can't score, throw it back, and I'll play a drag screen. So having a guy like that has been has been amazing. Um, been both amazing, but then also like, damn, like I said, wish I could have done it when I was before I was thirty four. <laughs> well, you guys, because you were you were on campus when he was being recruited, though, right? Like, his did you did you host him at all? Like when he was on his visit. I gave I gave Sam Decker his first tequila shot, so you can't. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't tell don't tell Todd that, but yeah, I gave I gave Sam his first tequila shot on his on his visit in my in my dorm room. <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, just last question for you: what six What does success look like for this team in the last month of the season? Oh, that's a great question. Um. You know, there's uh, shoot, save the toughest for last. For <laughs> me, it's 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 hard to say because I think success is always a result-driven thing, right? Um, so this team is good enough to me to get to the Elite Eight Final Four round, and then once you get there, I mean, as you guys know, any anything can happen. They have the they have the depth, they have the scoring to do it. Um, so I would say I would say it's. It, from a result standpoint, it's got to be Elite Eight, Final Four, in my mind. But then there's also levels to success in terms from a from a coaching standpoint. I'm sure they're looking at you know going into next year. Now you got to have, I think, you know, guys like Connor Asijian, if he comes and shows what he can do again in the tournament and uh, more consistently, and Chucky kind of brings back that scoring punch. Then if you lose a little earlier, you kind of have that feeling like, oh shoot, we're we're coming back with something real next year. Um, so that could also be seen as a level of success. All right. Hey, Jordan, really appreciate your time and uh, certainly going to continue to tune in to uh, the podcast with you and Josh. Shot of whiskey. Can't uh, can't wait for March. March is the best. March is the best. Really do appreciate your time, man. Thank you guys for having me. Good to see you guys. All right. We appreciate Jordan's time. And uh, again, check out the podcast with him and Josh Gosser. It's a good one. 
Uh, Jesse, Wisconsin will get the week off here. They don't play until next Tuesday against Indiana. Is this time off a good thing, bad thing? I, I feel like it's a very good thing. Legs wise, we kind of talked about it before the interview, the ability to have some time off here. And I know that they're going to still practice, but maybe uh, pull things back just a, a little bit to get some guys the rest heading into the, the final four games here. I think it's a really good thing. It's the longest rest you're going to have the, the rest of the way. You don't normally get a week off like this, especially late in the season. So they've got to be able to take advantage of it. Rest, obviously, but perhaps hit the film room and try and figure out how you can strengthen um your team during this time because it's certainly not going to be easy here down the stretch where two of the last four games are against the two best teams in the big 10 right now that are above wisconsin where you've got illinois at home close the regular season against purdue and then a few days later you're off and running in the postseason it'll be i mean it's it's a hell of a stretch um to to finish things out we knew it was going to be that way you have an opportunity to go to indiana and get a win you have an opportunity to beat the team that's above you in the standings or both teams that are above you in the standings. You have an opportunity to get some, uh, some revenge against a Rutgers squad that let's be fair about it. Uh, took you behind the woodshed and beat the hell out of you just uh, a couple of weeks ago. So I think this is, it's, it's a chance to like, there, there are opportunities here to show that you can be the team that we saw earlier in the year. I don't know if that's actually going to happen. I think the game at, at Purdue is going to probably get ugly, but Wisconsin, um, if, if they can find, some of the stuff and find their way back to who they were before March, they can still make some noise, but where's your confidence level in that happening? Lower than it has been at most other points of the season. Um, you just got to go out and show it on the floor. So you are what your record says you are. And in the last seven, they're two and five. So they know they have to be better. <laughs> Do you know the last time Wisconsin beat Illinois? No, I don't. 2019. Wow. They yeah, they haven't beaten them since February 18th of 2019. Um, that, which is, you know, what's crazy about that is that they, Wisconsin went on a streak of beating them 15 straight from 2011 to 2019. And now they have lost six straight uh, to Illinois. So th they have some opportunities here to, to exercise some demons. Exercise the demons. No. Um, all right. We'll be back next week, Jesse. Uh, we'll be back after the Indiana game and, and talk about. That one and look ahead to the line, the uh, the final three. Uh, thank you very much. Thanks, Zach. All right, there he is, Jesse Temple from the Athletic. You've been listening to the Swing.